Welcome to episode 18 of season four. If you just joined, this is Maria from at Maria Tharakeen on Instagram, and I'm joined by our supreme overlordess, Robin, <laughs> at a tired witch on Instagram. <laughs> and then later, we're going to be joined by Fyodor Pavlov of Fyodor Pavlov Tarot, and we're going to talk about all things like creating a tarot deck which is pretty yeah, awesome so exciting so very excited about that so interview. so exciting um if you guys are just joining us this month we also are doing our small business september and this is the last of our special shout outs mm-hmm. we have left we have midnight rid- oh my gosh midnight vintage ritual stickers <laughs> i can speak that are very cool it's like a whole pack of coffee and cauldrons themed stickers uh we have that massage witch who made scrubs and some really cute jewelry and finally we have live love maria who made a bunch of bookmarks so they're all very fun they're very so, cute yeah you guys can head to our instagram where each person has gotten their own shout out mm-hmm. and find links to where you guys can get these things, including stuff that we talked about last time, which has candles and oils and there's new merch in our Teespring and all sorts of cool stuff. So, oh yeah, definitely check out our Teespring because we have a bunch of like Halloween merch. So, yeah, like a ton. I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> they're super cute, and I actually bought two hoodies for myself, which I will show. <laughs> which I will show on my Instagram when they come in. I'm still waiting for them to sh- ship, but I'm very excited to see them and wear them. So, yeah. I ordered some of the new stickers. Um, that Sammy made. I mm-hmm. ordered a couple of them, and so I'm waiting for those to show up too, and I'm really excited. <laughs> if you've just joined us this week, every week we talk about upcoming lunar phases and how you can utilize them in your magical practice. Now, that being said, The nearest one to when this comes out is going to be on September 29th, which is also the day of our uh, Patreon class, (laughs) which feels kind of pointed and powerful and fun. Yeah. Um, September 29th is to be the harvest moon, but I just learned a fun fact, which is that the full moon closest to the autumnal equinox is the harvest moon but if it falls in september according to the farmer's almanac it's technically the corn moon by title which i think is i don't know that's a fun fact i never heard that before (laughs) farmer's almanac 2023 (laughs) so that being said the the harvest moon's moon I couldn't have said that any easier is going to be the Aries full moon and Maria as we know loves Aries full moon yes he's a self-absorbed little slut yes yes (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) but the uh, when, when the moon is in Aries specifically right we're looking at a lot of really uh, I want to say self-rooted things. Not to say that Aries are egotistical. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is, is that we do have a lot of options on our like interior work. So we've got things that are work rooted in like self-discovery, working on things like coming to fruition. We have things like putting a fire under our passions, etc. All the things that kind of make 
are heartful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are the time like this is the time to really kind of do magic that is involving that. So I would recommend doing things like. <clears throat> Um, some success spells. If you've been working on anything, you would like to see, like, have success. Spell work that is involving that. Personal power is a really good theme for this moon mm-hmm. as well. Um, which I also just think correlates really well with the harvest moon because the harvest moon is so close to like Samhain and October, which we are normally associating in general with witchcraft and witches, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we kind of have this personal power that right before like, <laughs> our big month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that's kind of a nice like kickstart, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, and finally, we can do a really good time. Like if you're like, none of this is for me, you can use this moon to take the time to pause and use it to um, unwind, recharge, etc. Maybe you're just wanting to keep it simple. This is a good time to ground and recenter do cleansing if you must um again with self not necessarily your space so perhaps it's time to do like a nice ritual bath that involves cleansing and recharging and that sort of thing yeah, especially if you're burned out like if this moon is Massively. just going to further burn you out just like you know yeah. don't deal with it exactly. um, <laughs> but um I also like in this um, month's monthly outlook for our Patreon, I put like how this would be a great moon for like, yes, doing the power aspect, but then also doing the power aspect when it comes to sex magic. And certainly back to you being a self of normal. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I laugh. I have a whole article, by the way, on the Patreon going off of sex magic and power. Mm -hmm. I have an entire article on the Patreon about self-sex magic um, (laughs) involving, you know, oneself and no partner. Mm-hmm. So sex magic is not limited to no. a two-person deal. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> do it or do you do it single? It's fine. It's Whatever fine. works. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> get off. You know what I'm saying? But the whole like um, ritual that I came up with was like basically powering up a power sigil and using mm. also a body oil in the process too, which right. I put all the ingredients and stuff like that into the monthly outlook. But that sounds really nice. Yeah, I just interesting. I haven't read yeah. our monthly outlook, obviously. <laughs> um, maybe it's time to do some body oils. <laughs> but yeah, I think working oh, with like. <laughs> Oh my god! My poor husband's gonna be shaking his head when he hears this. He's like, "Shut the fuck up!" No, he's gonna be making plans. He's He's not. He's gonna make plans. He's gonna go. No, don't look at me for the next month, you freak. But I also feel like it's also a great time to pull out, like, let's say you don't use a certain tarot deck often, like pulling out your emperor card out of that deck. And just like you charging it underneath the full moon and carrying it with you, remembering that, you know, you are in charge of your life. Like you can make big decisions and just reminder that, you know, to step into your power each and every single day when you need to. Like, yeah, yeah, I love it. Thanks. I try. So if you just joined us for this episode or haven't listened to the 
other episodes so far this season in lieu of choosing a card and discussing it like we have been doing previous seasons this time we're going over the whole different sections in tarot like we've gone over the major arcana the minor arcana and the aces through the tens and now we're on the court cards but today we are on the knights in tarot so we have moved past the planning and learning stage with the pages and now we're ready to step into the role of the knights the knights are all about action and seeing through plans we have made each having their own method of doing so for better or for worse the thing about the knights is that while they have made it past the page status, they are still relying on others for direction. They aren't quite independent or in charge like the queen and king. They're still following directions, carrying out orders, even if they're their own orders. And they are like doing the footwork of it all. Kind of look at it like this. The pages would be the students, the knights would be the workers, the queen and kings would be the boss and manager positions. So what this means when a knight pops up for a goal is that you are in the thick of getting things done, but you aren't quite at the position where you can use this goal to help others and it hasn't become a long-term sustainable thing. It is still going to be quite a bit of work to get it to that point. When nights pop up in readings, it is time to get things done and to do the work, unless of course they pop up in negative positions, upright and spreads, which means you aren't thinking things through before you apply action, which in that case, it may be time to go back to the page state for a little bit. The last thing you want to do is move forward with a plan with all you have got and metaphorically fall off your horse and be unable to fix things. So how do you view the knights? You know how I feel about the knights. You hate the knights are the bad boyfriends <laughs> of the apocalypse. I say this every single time we pull one. <laughs> <clears throat> I have a love-hate relationship with the knights. I think that Maria described it perfectly by saying that they are gung-ho, they're filled with action, but they aren't doing their own lead. And I view them as the bad boyfriends because for each suit, you have this savior card. Oh, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help you with X or Y. And it's going to be active and it's going to be filled with energy. And, you know, it's bringing news and help, blah, 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 blah. But there's actually not that follow through that you really need, like you might see from the king or queen, right? Mm -hmm. The confidence to follow through, the actual leadership to follow through, etc. So it's kind of like having a bad boyfriend that is going to tell you how you're doing everything wrong. And he's going to tell you that this is what you need to do it right. But there isn't that like follow through Mm -hmm. and consistency and leadership to actually like be doing it better necessarily themselves. Um, so I think it's a very cocky suit, <laughs> um, or court court card, I guess you could say. And it's one of those things that I don't think it's necessarily a bad. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I really implore you that if you pull a night card to either pull some more clarifiers or look to the cards around it mm-hmm. to see what the pitfalls are going to be when it comes to nights. Yeah, I think that's why that strong page state is so important before you go Mm -hmm. into the night, because the nights are all about battle, you know, so it's like win, lose, you know, victory, non-victory. If you're going in with a bad plan, um, a thousand percent, you're going to, you know, it's going to be awful. 
So, and just because you're the loudest person in the room doesn't mean you're actually correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, I just i I feel like I feel like. You know, actually, you know what I feel like knights are? Knights mm. are the social media people as well that are like so quick to tell you how you're doing something wrong, but don't mm-hmm. actually like have the follow through to tell you how to like do it better. <laughs> but their video has like 10 million views, like and, and people watching go, well, I've done it wrong, but how do I do it better? That's the knights. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no follow. So today I am joined by a guest. Robin is unfortunately not here. Um, she's dealing with a family situation, but that's okay because I'm not alone today. I'm joined by Fedor Pavlov, the creator of an amazing, amazing, diverse tarot deck that I absolutely love. And you've probably seen it on my Instagram page if you follow me on there. But yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, where to find you online and your past history with tarot. Uh, yeah, hi. Uh, it's, thanks so much for having me, first of all. I'm very excited to actually get to talk to you, having you know f- been mutual followers on Instagram for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I am a Russian-American illustrator. I was born in Moscow. I moved to the States uh, when I was 13 years old. Uh, lived in New York for 20 years. Now I'm in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, and I created the Fyodor Pavlov Tarot Deck. Um, which, gosh, how many years has it been in the world now? Uh, I finished <laughs> it in 2019. Uh, yes, and it was... The first edition came out in 2020, and then uh, the subsequent edition came out November of last year. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, here we are today. <laughs> um So you had asked uh, to tell you a little bit about my, like, kind of history with the tarot. Yeah. Like, what got you into tarot in the first place? Like, what, you know, you know, past circumstances or events in your life that you're, like, started to, like, seek, you know, out tarot and stuff like that? Sure, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, like, every queer kid in high school, I dabbled in in the occult, the craft. (laughs) Uh, But in that very sort of, you know, I was always... Uh, obviously I've, I've drawn my entire life so I was always drawn to art and pretty mm-hmm. pictures and storytelling through images and so that's kind of the first thing that attracted me to the tarot because um, you know I found a Mook, Alphonse Mucha tarot deck in Barnes and & Noble and I was and remain a huge Mucha nerd so I was like this is so pretty I want to you know play with it I want to look at it but I looked at the images and I was like I have no idea what any of this means and I you want me to read a book about it never mind <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of like played around with it and then forgot about it uh, up until well into my adulthood. Um, my mother-in-law at the time um, gifted me a, a different deck, uh, the, the Russian Terror of St. Petersburg, um, mm-hmm. which is a really pretty deck. It's kind of done in this uh, traditional um painting style in which Russian lacquer boxes and like lacquer um, souvenirs are painted with and so it's a similar style on the deck uh, and I really liked it um, and so I sort of gave Tarot another try 
and started sort of learning to read it with that deck. Um, and around this time, everyone I knew was telling me to also make a tarot deck, which I think is fairly common experience of a lot of like <laughs> illustrative <laughs> artists is everyone tells them to make a tarot deck. I am guilty um, of this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I was like, never in a million years, 78 drawings <laughs> that I have to figure out the meanings of each of them and then reinterpret and no, it's never going to happen. <laughs> um, but in a funny way, as I was learning to actually how to, you know, how to read, mm-hmm. um, I started getting ideas for, you know, how would I interpret this card on my own? How would, how would I paint it? How would I, what meaning would I want to imbue it with? Mm-hmm. What do I disagree with in interpretations? What do I agree with? What's my big takeaway? Um, and so I started revisiting the idea of maybe making one eventually, but I yeah. resisted it for a long time. <laughs> Fair. Like, that's a really huge undertaking. You're basically creating, you know, like 78 pieces of works of art for like the, this one thing. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it's completely yeah. understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so, is that, is that what drew you to creating a deck in the first place? The, yeah, so so I, I realized I was about to start answering like <laughs> preemptively your next question, <laughs> um, but yeah, what ended up happening is because I this thought kept occurring to me. Um, I finally, you know, a little bit about my art process too is I am very much I don't like big projects. I don't like things that take a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm very like, uh, you know, I, every so often I will work on a big painting and mm-hmm. I used to do book illustration and I used to do comics, but the longer I work on something, the more my interest tends to wane over time. Um, <laughs> I think that's so such I've... a big issue in like the art community because I'm the same <laughs> way with photographs. So where I'm like editing something, I'm like, I'm done. I'm I done. could never do oil painting, never in a million years, you know, <laughs> um, because I would just get bored. Uh, and so so that was part of my resistance to this project is like it's so many so many images but i kind of reconsidered and i was like well it's an individual image and it's kind of like a how do you how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time kind of thing (laughs) yeah um so i thought okay i'm gonna start i'm gonna give myself permission to start working on these images Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be systematic about it in that i'm gonna not pick and choose what which one do I like best, but literally just go through them in order as you would get, you know, a, a deck out of fresh out of the box. Yeah. Um, and I'll just do them for as long as I want to keep doing them. And if I get bored and if I get sick of it, I give myself as, as, a, as a completionist, <laughs> I give myself permission to stop. Um, and so this became a project that I would work off on in my off time so when i wasn't working on commissions when i wasn't working i went through numerous day jobs during the creation of this deck (laughs) you know so this was always like a back burner project yeah um but i never really got bored of it because every time i could just focus on each individual card Mm -hmm. and learn the meaning of the card and really do some deep dive research into each image as i worked Mm -hmm. on it and i kept being excited to do it 
That's and good. And so four years later, I <laughs> eventually had the whole deck. <laughs> I think that's a trick of creating something so huge is that you have to find some way to remain passionate about it and kind of making it something special helps instead of just work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a advent calendar where you just open one at a time oh, until you've so, gone. I love that metaphor. That is so cute. I love that. <laughs> um, so many tarot deck creators like struggle with deciding this what was your reasoning for creating a fully illustrated minor arcana rather than just going for the pip deck um so i have a bunch of decks in my collection that are pip decks Mm -hmm. and i would always get them for the art uh, on the major arcana but then i could never use them because i am not a numerology (laughs) person i don't you know I, i that means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm, I'm a storyteller and I, well, I enjoy storytelling through mm-hmm. images and I've worked in book illustration and in comics. And so mm-hmm. for me, having a fully illustrated minor arcana was always like the way I was going to go. It's easier, yeah. I think, to make pips. Uh, not that it's easy, easier necessarily. Depends depends on what kind of pips you're drawing, yeah. right? It could still be very complex and, and involved, <laughs> but overall, it's like it's a little bit of a less daunting task to just do yeah. the pips. But part of it is I always wanted to have them fully illustrated, and another thing is you know major arcana deals with like the big things in life. It's very <laughs> universal. It's very the grand events of your life versus the minor is what's every day and that to me is actually more meaningful is that in some ways is the minor arcana i think can offer a lot more insight and explanation for the bigger cards that you might have so i felt that it was really important to have a fully illustrated minor arcana for that reason because it offers more interpretation more insight and more opportunities to connect with with the images with your reading Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like many of us are very visual learners. And so like, especially newer people who are reading cards, it's much easier to read something with it it's, fully illustrated. Yeah, it's way more accessible. I think yeah. it was 100%. for me, you know, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah even like using pip decks, like I'll pull a card and I'll be like, okay, let's try to visualize how this looks like on the Rider Waite Smith, you know, exactly. <laughs> But, um, so your deck features like very beautifully done diverse imagery, including queer representation, disabilities, and bodies of all shapes and sizes. Like, how did you connect some of these two cards, like using symbolism? Um, yeah. So, I mean, from the start, I often compare, uh, tarot to like, I always think about, you know, in the middle ages when most people couldn't read Mm -hmm. church art was how you learned the important lessons of the day when christianity mm-hmm. was your whole world in the western in western europe for example that is how you learned the most important story that you could know which is by going to church looking at the stained glass windows looking at the icons looking at the paintings tarot is kind of similar in that you don't you may not even like ideally what if you never even read the booklet and you just looked at the images and mm-hmm. you okay what does this say to me what, what does it mean so in that way tarot i i hope should be a universal experience that anybody could connect to Mm -hmm. um even if they weren't formally trained in reading the tarot even if they never picked up a book even if they you know we Mm -hmm. all can 
extrapolate something from an image. And if tarot is to be a universal, a, a tool that describes universal experience, well, then hopefully in an ideal world, it could, should and would be accessible to any type of person. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that I could create imagery that would at least, to, my, to the best of my ability, would reflect a very varied world and a very mm -hmm. different sort of spectrum of, of human experience, mm -hmm. be it across race, gender, sexuality, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And as a person of a very specific background, I have... I'm a human being, but I also have limited understanding of what other people go through mm -hmm. based on what my experiences are. And so this is an attempt. It isn't a blueprint <laughs> in my deck by any means. Yeah. Um, but it's what I hoped for and what I was striving for in creating the kind of Im images that I did. But I do think also some of the cards lend themselves to particular interpretations. And the ones that I thought of... Um, in terms of, in the context of this question is my knight of coins uh mm -hmm. who is uh in a wheelchair um you know and the, we think of the knight of coins as slower than the other knights the other mm -hmm. knights kind of embody this very fervent very active energy whereas the knight of coins is a bit his is a different pace and so i thought about like okay well there are people who live life in at a different pace through a variety <laughs> of reasons whether they are um you know, differently abled, whether they have autoimmune diseases, just a a any kind of experience that renders you different from someone else, mm -hmm. a slower pace of life, a, a different way of going about achieving your goals mm -hmm. is what I kind of hope to, to, to portray in that card. Um, and I then think you did a great job with doing that. <laughs> Thank you. <Yeah. laughs> I I also tried to reach out to um, sensitivity readers and sensitivity like That's people so who good. are from, from from those experiences. And I was like, mm -hmm. am I am I doing this okay? Am I doing this right? <laughs> Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so like friends and 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 I just reached out to folks like online um, and stuff. And another card that's uh, from a different perspective, but similarly. Uh, that I thought of was the Six of Coins, which, uh, you know, depicts uh, a Jewish, uh, uh, a rabbi and a woman and a man. Um, and, you know, in the traditional Coleman Smith deck, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like a wealthy merchant and then like people who are of a different class. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting idea, but I thought about how like class can be present in this card, but it's about something bigger. It's about the concept of charity and it's about the concept of giving to people according to their means and redistributing um, wealth or mm -hmm. resources in a way where everyone can give back. And so it becomes rather than you are giving alms, you are giving something that can go around in the community and come back to you. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I thought of uh, the Jewish concept of tzedakah, which is like mm -hmm charity based on the idea that you don't just give you know the rich give to the poor but everybody gives to each other according to each other's means yeah in a way in the effort to improve and better the entire community and i was like that's cool and i like that i like that a little bit more than the sort of traditional like very more hierarchical class interpretation of the card um mm -hmm. and so similarly i went to a friend <laughs> who is jewish and i was like hey like is this anything? <laughs> so, and, and here we are. <laughs> uh, 
I also like this is not on our questions, but like how you included nudity on your deck and stuff like that, because you don't really see that in decks, especially decks that have been like recently published. And I feel like, I don't know, you know, we used to get plenty of nudity on decks and stuff like that. Like even I got a reprinting of Takato Serafino, I think a recent repeat reprinting mm-hmm. of it. And they completely destroyed the artist's interpretation of the star where the hair was covering. Like someone went in like with a squiggly oh, line and no. drew over the, the boots. Yeah. And I was like, no, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> such a beautiful card. But it was nice also seeing, you know, like confident people, confident within their bodies in your deck. And I really appreciated that. Oh, well, it, it's funny because I, I a couple of times my deck has been labeled as like erotic or risque and stuff. And I, people definitely try to like warn others of like, there's a lot of nudity. I hope you're okay. Like I've seen a lot of uh, readers kind of do reviews of the deck and they will always mention like, there's a lot of nudity. So if you're mm-hmm. make sure you're okay with that. And it's very funny to me because as an artist who does do erotic, I straight up porn uh, for a living <laughs> for a lot of my illustration, it's really not the approach that I took to this deck. It wasn't mm-hmm. the intent. The intent was never for it to be particularly erotic or you know whatever i just was like nudity is a part of life (laughs) and nudity lends itself really well to certain interpretations such as like the sensuousness of the empress Mm -hmm. the the affection and the relationship both romantic physical and sexual between the lovers Mm -hmm. um the world and like her whole sort of embrace embracing of life in all of its yes sensuous but also just (laughs) you know fertile forms so to speak but it is it is very funny that the nudity stands out in my de- in my deck in ways I didn't necessarily intend for it to, but hey, glad we're here. Uh, yeah, I mean, like art, you know, for the longest time, like everyone did nude art, so it doesn't really make sense that now we're like, oh, oh no, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> anyways, so which card did you crave that was your absolute favorite or the one that you hold most dear? <laughs> um, well, I don't. I don't really have a favorite child, um, but I have a few. I, I don't have any one specifically, but there were a few kind of surprising ones. Um, I've always enjoyed the Three of Swords. I just think it's a very cool image. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's definitely one of my favorites, just because I really wanted to make a juicy, gnarly, anatomical heart, and I got <laughs> to, so love that. Um, I really li- like the Knight of Coins. Uh, I'm really mm-hmm. happy with how that card came out, and I also think he's just super hot. <laughs> just like that's a good looking that's a good looking boy i love that (laughs) um and then like the six of cups was another one that uh surprised me because it was the card it was one of those cards that was really difficult for me i just could Mm -hmm. not kind of grasp it and i couldn't really get into it Mm -hmm. um and so i really had to sit with it and work out how do I draw this if I don't really connect with it? And mm-hmm. through that process, I did really connect with the card and with its meaning, and I kind of weaseled my way into it um, <laughs> and ended up doing a self-portrait for that card, which is kind of funny. And it is, it ended up, you know, it's probably one of the longest entries maybe in my in my guidebook, but mm-hmm. it, it became a very personal card that I hope from the personal kind of bloom the universal um and i really like it i I like the visual and it's a reference to one of my favorite paintings by john singer sergeant um carnation lily lily rose i have to look that up (laughs) yeah it's it's the one i think you you may know it it's the one with the two girls who have like these uh 
Japanese lanterns and they're in a flower garden at dusk and they're lighting up the lanterns. It's really beautiful uh, painting. But yeah, that's kind of, and I was like, that painting reminded me of the meaning of the card. And so it kind of ended up working in, in its way into it. I feel like that's a good metaphor for, I feel like there's cards that people like really struggle with connecting and that's actually the cards that they need to connect with the most. Oh boy, howdy. You're telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Between that and and the higher effect, I was like, "Uh, oops. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But that's the Six of Cups, the Star, the Moon. I mean, that's one of my favorite favorite renditions of those cards was through your deck. So I really appreciate, you know, you you. tell the personal touch you put on the six of cups. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that. But so you like, you did the whole like kicking off the deck first on your own. Mm -hmm. And so what route do you think is better going through a Kickstarter launcher deck or just doing a pre-order? There is kind of no wrong or right way to do it. I think it really depends um, on each individual artist and how how like what your timeline looks like, what you think you mm-hmm. can accomplish. Um, my Kickstarter essentially functioned as a pre-order mm-hmm. uh, because so I've seen a lot of uh, folks do decks where they will get a decent amount of them done and then launch the Kickstarter in order to fund the completion of the rest. Mm-hmm. And there, there is, th- that's a smart way to do it if, because, you know, you want to be getting paid for the work that you were doing. It's a lot of work yeah. and it takes a long time and you want to have some kind of like cushion in order to create it. Mm-hmm. For me, that would have never worked because <laughs> I would be so stressed out about how long just the kick the fulfillment process alone of a kickstarter is such that if i also in addition had to then be working on the deck knowing Mm -hmm. that there are people waiting for me to finish the art then format it then send it to the printer then wait for the printer all the rest i I just i (laughs) oh my god i could never (laughs) it would be so stressful i Um, always feel so bad for the creators that do that because you can tell they're so stressed about the tagline and they're trying to do the cards and it's like i'm one of those people that i'm like no like i'll wait i'll wait because i know this is gonna turn out beautiful but i know that there's a lot of unfortunately um patient people out there probably get a lot of flack yes yeah and i think it's just one of those things where nobody really has a concept of just how long this takes uh without rushing it let alone like you know when you're rushing it let alone when you really want to take your time and so for me that this is why i worked so many job jobs that took so many commissions like this was not my paid work Mm -hmm. for the four years that i was making it this was Mm -hmm. for fun um with the hope that eventually it would pay (laughs) dividends right yeah um because I wanted to have everything done and ready to go so that the only things that people would have to wait for were things that were outside of my control, such as printing times, shipping times, etc. Yeah. Um, which seems so, to really been really bad like lately. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, all of that happened for me smack dab in the middle of lockdown and yes. all like, the worst of everything. So... You know, all, th- all told, it's actually amazing how quickly it happened, but I know a lot of people didn't feel similarly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I would say that, you know, I, I can't really give advice here other than what worked for me, but I, I think that it is a good idea to really 
give yourself as much time as possible to let the project cook and let it simmer and let it be as ready to go as it possibly could be before you start putting it out to the public, whether that be through Kickstarter or through the Mm pre-order. And specifically with the Kickstarter, my advice is have as much as possible ready to go and then just use the Kickstarter to fund the actual production rather than your portion of making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so on that note, like, what's the best resource do you think is to get decks printed? I think that's a lot of <laughs> where a lot of like creators have problems. Like, where do I send my deck to get this, you know, made? Like, what was your process yeah. of finding someone? Um, so obviously, I know there's a kind of a huge uh, world of both independent decks and then uh backed by publisher decks. Mm -hmm. Um, My hope always from the start was to eventually get a publisher. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to... I had no idea how I was going to do. I had some inkling that it would be fairly successful, and I definitely wanted to do the first print run on my own through a Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So I think Kickstarter is a great resource for that or any kind of funding platform. I think Kickstarter is probably the most robust Mm -hmm. and the one with kind of the best infrastructure to support creators, Mm -hmm. uh, at least in my experience. Um, It's an incredible amount of work, that said. (laughs) It is still, you know, you are basically becoming a single person publishing house for yourself Mm -hmm. so you are in charge of dealing with the production figuring out who your printer is outsourcing that fundraising for it interacting with all of your customers during this process then you have to if you are not shipping them yourself and i hope to god you are not because when the remainder of my decks arrived at my house after my shipping agent had dealt with most of the fulfillment Mm -hmm. it was still boxes that took up a portion of my bedroom (laughs) so you know um it's a lot of work and i think Mm -hmm. the the kickstarter was very helpful to me in in that i was able to get it almost exactly how i wanted it get it out there and get a lot of incredible response Mm -hmm. that i could then take to a publisher and show to them because a lot of creators will come to publishers and say, here's a couple of the cards I have designed. I would like to do the rest if you pay me to do so. Mm-hmm. Smart. However, I think it is a stronger pitch to come to a publisher and say, hi, my deck is completely finished. Mm-hmm. It has already gone through a single run that was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. There is interest. Make it better. <laughs> pay me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and that's that's what worked for me. That's That's... You know, but I understand that also, like, there's a lot of nervousness uh, between independent publishing versus um, publishing house uh, Mm -hmm. releases. Uh, A lot of the fears that people had around my deck specifically was censorship. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, it kind of like the advice I would give to people is what kind of deck are you making? Mm -hmm. Look around at a publisher that you think is a good fit. What kind Mm -hmm. of decks have they put out? and, and, you know, for, for myself, for example, I, I insisted, I was like, there's one of the benefits of me having had a Kickstarter too, was there were some questions about some of the nudity and some of the representations in my deck, um, mm-hmm. initial concerns that I 
my response was, well, it's already been out published this way. So do you really want to put out another version that is censored and is not the same? Yeah. Yeah. And immediately my husband was like, oh yeah, that makes no sense. And why would we actually, this is great. Let's yeah. do it like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really smart because you run into that all the time with like, you know, companies yes. that are like, no, we don't like that. But if you're like, it already works. So. <laughs> yeah. And you know, sometimes that's not even the publishers. My publisher, US Games, the issue they ran into was so most printing is outsourced to country to different countries usually mm -hmm. it is either china or taiwan china has really strict laws about mm. what can be represented what is considered like risque or in indecent or whatever so they mm -hmm. had originally going they were originally going to publish my deck through print my deck in a chinese printing warehouse mm -hmm. who uh got back to them and said we can't do this <laughs> so they had to find a different printer and they found a printer yeah. in Taiwan um, who were able to do it. And so like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, like I said, censorship isn't even necessarily up to the publisher. Sometimes it's the printers that they use they that they have to outsource to yeah. that they run into these issues with. How did you find your printer for when you did your own? I know if you don't want to answer this question, it's completely oh, fine. No. I know a lot of people like to keep it. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't care. The more resources people have, the better. I don't. Yeah. Uh, so I used uh, Expert Playing Card Company. Who, mm -hmm. um, their offices are based in the U.S., but they outsource their printing to Taiwan mm -hmm. uh, as well. Uh, and so they have uh, published, uh, I, I believe, UC um, UUSI that that company who did like the Supra Oracle and um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They published through them as well. Okay. Um, they use them as a printer. Um, and that's why, you know, I literally looked at my deck and I was like, who published this? Who, where did these come from? And I found Expert Playing Card Company after like Googling and all this. And they were great. They were really helpful. Um, their costs are, I think, really comparable. And they did a great job. Like, I, I was really happy with the... Yeah you know the first edition um they, like there were some things that they simply couldn't do like gilded edges was just something their printer couldn't do because they didn't have the, the like supplies for yeah. it um but yeah i felt like they did a really great job um they offer a lot of really nice uh, options such as like the linen finishes and all that mm -hmm. um and their team has always been very responsive and very helpful so that that's who i used oh that's good thank you so much yeah. for sharing that with us um <laughs> Now the question that everyone wants to know, when are you going to release a spicy Oracle deck? <laughs> so with how long the terror took and what a big undertaking it was, and then what a the whole separate process it was to get out the first edition, get out the second edition, <laughs> I definitely was very burnt out. <laughs> Fair. And I was very, very done. <laughs> and I was like, I need a, you know, I need a really, really long break from a project like this. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, so I'm my my day job, quote unquote, is I'm a tattoo artist. So in that time, I also went back to tattooing because I took a very long break during lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and so that kind of took over a lot of my art practice. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had. Uh, you know, I don't want to whet any appetites because I don't think this is going to happen for a long time. But I will <laughs> say that in the notes app on my phone, I do have an ongoing list of Oracle card ideas and concepts. Yes. Um, so I have been making <laughs> little notes and I have been kind of percolating on it. Um, 
and specifically an oracle deck because i don't think i will ever do another tarot deck like i just i've had people ask like oh would you do this kind of tarot or this kind of tarot i was like no i did a tarot deck like it's done (laughs) i don't want to do another one because i don't really know what i would do differently you know Mm -hmm. um but an oracle deck is exciting because it is a very you kind of make it up yourself and it allows a lot more freedom um, so yeah, I've been, I've been noodling on an idea and eventually, maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, working on manifesting that, but anyways. Um, so our last question is, have any words for aspiring tarot deck creators out there? Oh, be ready for the long haul. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, it, it's interesting to me that there has been a, a huge uptick in the interest, like in the occult, in divination, in mm-hmm. sort of the more esoteric approach to life. Um, and historically, I think that happens when things are bad. Mm-hmm. Two things, you know, socially and politically, two things become on the rise fascism and the complete opposite swing of that <laughs> pendulum, which is everyone's like, I'm going to get weirder. <laughs> Everything is on fire. I'm going to get weirder. And I'm seeing that reflected in sort of the saturation of tarot in the world specifically and more people picking up tarot practice. Literally, I think it's like everything is on fire and I'm looking for answers. So if you are a person who wants to give those answers, be ready to really sit with that project. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think you will necessarily come up with Unanswer, but you will come up with your answer. Yeah. Um, and and tarot specifically sits on this weird cusp of art object, um, thought exercise, mm-hmm. and product. Yeah. So there's all these different aspects. There's the commercial aspect of the tarot. There's the creative aspect of the tarot, and then there's the like, how do you esoteric aspect of the tarot of like as a tool of divination of of processing of however it is that you use it um and so i think there that's a big weight to put on an artist's shoulder and i think it's a lot of (laughs) yeah ideas to sort of sit with as you create this art it's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. and so uh, every person i have ever known who has created the tower tarot has like suffered the burnout suffered the weight of expectation of future readers and so i think my advice is to like i said be ready for the long haul be gentle with yourself make your deck how you want to make it not from how you think you should or on the timeline that you think you should be doing it Mm -hmm. and just know and i wish i could have told this to myself and i think i tried to just really truly take your time with it and it's And le- and if you get bored, stop doing it. <laughs> or if you're sick of it, stop doing it. But, you know, um, I think it's cool. I think it's really cool that there are so many people trying to interpret this imagery and reimagine it and, mm-hmm. and, and add more voices to the practice than I think it has had. Um, yeah. And that's 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 great, and I wish there to be more of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so so I guess what I'm saying is, I think I said a lot of intimidating things about making this <laughs> make <laughs> a project like this, but to at the same time not be intimidated and and allow yourself to be um, 
to consider that maybe you have something to add to it and that maybe that you should. Yeah, I think taking a very realistic approach with creating something of, you know, so many works of art. I mean, it's more than fair to be like, you know, slow down, take your time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Make it your own. Yeah. But, but yeah. Um, do you want to tell everyone one more time where to find you on social media or anything else that you would like to share before we wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I am on all the social medias. I am on... I am probably most active on Instagram and on my Patreon. Um, and uh, you can basically find me on Instagram. Anywhere you can find me, it's usually by my name. Um, so Instagram, it's Fyodor Pavlov. And Patreon, same thing. Um, and then I am um, on Twitter, which is now X, I guess. But I almost <laughs> never post anything there. So, I mean, you can find me there if you want. But I don't. Every so often I have a hot Great British Bake Off take and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like X um, is now just a giant tumbleweed that no one's yeah, really allowed anywhere. I literally only got one so that like I could lock down a username and then just let it <laughs> Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Did the same. Yeah. But anyways, thank you so much for joining us. It was an amazing conversation. And yeah, we'll talk to you offline. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> so much for bye. having me. <laughs> bye. So Robin. What is stirring your cauldron right now? You need to not look me directly in the eye when you ask. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's like very much so giving power. Um, <laughs> Thanks. It's that Aries full moon heading our way. <laughs> oh my god. Um, thank you for asking. You're so welcome. Uh, it is apple season, bitch. It's apple season, baby. You know how delicious the Fuji apples taste right now. Mm-mm. It might have something to do with other things going on in my life presently. But... I'm a tiny crisp girl, so. <gasps> yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, I'm also a pink lady bitch, okay? Oh, but yes, I yum. took a bite of a of a Fuji apple, like from a farm local. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the most delicious thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. I had four of them. Because so I was just like, well, this is great. <laughs> um... <laughs> I am living for apple season right now. And I don't know what's going on. Um, but I am living for it. 12 out of 10. Everybody go out and get some apples. Eat them. Make magic with them. Make magic and then eat them. I also really recommend peeling the skin off. Mm-hmm. Dicing it. Like in the little cubes. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Putting a little bit of apple pie spice on it. Just a little bit. And shaking it up and eating that, thank me later. <laughs> it's so good. Like just a little bit. Just enough Honestly. to like give you that nutmeggy, cinnamony addition to your apples. Oh. Like, yeah, you can take it a step further and bake it, but like, hashtag lazy. Um, <laughs> why do that when you could just enjoy it fresh? Yeah. And it's got that I mean, crisp. Oh. Apple swells are so much fun too, and it they tis are. the season. Tis the season. Yeah, I think there's. We actually have a apple spill on our Patreon for the autumn equinox, which we turn like Ooh, apple I think you're right. into little um pen, uh, yeah. pentacles. Yeah. yeah, and I have a video. I'm pretty sure on my Instagram from last Christmas 
that involved apples and oranges and making like protection garlands. <laughs> Cute. <sighs> we love Delicious. Them. Mm, Apple, we love you, apples. <laughs> so, Maria, what's not stirring your cauldron this week? Oh, I'm gonna tell you. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, um, it's we're in which season? And. <laughs> We're in a thick of it. Presently? Right we're now? In, yeah. We're in a thick in this of it. Moment? And I feel like I talk about this every year. I, I, it has to be every year. But it's not you me, so. <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, people are trying to get their witchy posts off the ground. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to speak from an authoritative place. Like, they know everything. And they... Like, just people who, right now, they're speaking in sureties. Like, they know everything. Like, everything that they say is 100% true. And that there's no, like, there's no room for other different types of opinions. And... I don't know. We see it everywhere right now, like with how to use plants, with how, you know, Witch like... blood types? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking insane. But, oh no, like... Like, these type of things really make witches feel... Like, they can't practice how they want to practice, and they feel like they're doing everything mm-hmm. wrong, and then they end up just stop practicing, especially newer witches, because they feel like they're not doing anything right, or something doesn't resonate with them, but something else does, but they heard from someone that just because it resonates with them, they should not do it because of, you know, XYZ. But XYZ mm-hmm. was read about in one single book by, let's say, one single, written by, like, a single philosopher when there's billions of different like you know magical philosophers out there who have like different opinions and stuff like that it's not Mm -hmm. just on from that one book from that one person and i don't Mm -hmm. know just be be careful witches be careful who you get your information from if anyone like even if robin and i speak in sureties which i'm sure we do like i don't (laughs) i'm perfect i've never made a mistake in my life (laughs) and if you think i have wrong (laughs) (laughs) but it really is like we're coming from a place of our own experiences and our own like research and stuff like that. That's all that we can give you like our own experiences and from our own research and anyone who tells you, Hey, you're doing this wrong because I read it in this one place, or this is my experience. They don't know what they're talking about. They really, they have no idea what they're talking about. And then eventually they will change their mind. Um, well, maybe change their mind. They might not, but <laughs> but I think um, even we are allowed to like change our opinions and stuff. Over a thousand time. percent. So. The thing is, is that witchcraft is a craft and a craft that goes on for the duration of your mm-hmm. life in a lot of cases. And so, just like anything, your craft can evolve. Because yeah. you're a human being whose life experiences change. Your opinions change, your outlooks change, and well. <laughs> that's why we should never speak in assurities and remind people that you know. I mean, unless this I'm saying opinion. it. Yeah, I mean, I'm the supreme. supreme, the supreme. I've never said anything wrong in my life. No, nothing I've ever said has ever been incorrect. Um, <laughs> it's 
a burden I have to bear. <laughs> <laughs> but I hope I didn't ramble too much during this part. But like I was going back and forth on what to say about this and this what what has not been stirring my cauldron for like a whole week. It, it just has gotten so bad. Yeah. Particularly. No, I, I think that's yeah. valid. In the last seven days. You're valid, Queen. Thanks. <laughs> If you've just joined us this week, every week we talk about shops that we are loving right now. Well, shops, creators, photographers, artists, bloggers, podcasts, freaking whatever. <laughs> These are not paid for ads. These are just stuff that Maria and I are finding organically that we are vibing with and thought you guys might like as well. And this season we have started incorporating a listener submission as well. Mm-hmm. So if you are somebody that has found somebody that you're like, they're so cool, they should get a shout out send us a dm no promises that we'll get it on the show but we will Mm -hmm. do our best to get to as many as possible Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that being said maria who are you digging this week so i recently got sent an oracle deck and i don't know i've always been ever since tarot of mystical moments which is my favorite all-time favorite deck um with collage (laughs) art um i've been really into collage art decks and this is one of them um did i mention the name did I mention it? Mm-mm. No, I don't think It's Unlocking the Secret Garden Oracle by US Games. And I don't know. It's just a really cute deck. And it involves, of course, as I said, collage art. And it has that like antique vibe that I really like. And the cards are really well made. It even has like the gold um, gold on the sides of the deck. I don't know. But US this Games. Is like, has... not, it honestly sounds like it's hitting every single one of your boxes. I know. Well, like USA Games, well, US Games have been like knocking it out of the park with their decks lately like the card stock is really amazing the boxes are really good and i don't know like i feel like it would be a great companion deck with the um w-i-t-c-h deck that they Mm, released mm -hmm. um but that is also oracle decks they'd be like layering oracle decks but i don't see the problem with that (laughs) but they're really cute and i recommend looking at them so yeah who you've been loving i am loving so this is like not witchy but it is for people who like to cook so i guess you could i guess you could make it witchy this is, this is like a budget thing and you know how i feel about budget stuff okay mm-hmm. we're balling on a budget always okay <laughs> so i found this uh creator on instagram called chloe vegan and like it is vegan obviously I'm sure you can modify it if if you're not vegan and you're just like so opposed to using vegan food. I don't know why you would be, but hey, that's your life. Anyway, (laughs) um, she's got a series that are called $2 Dinners. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we've made a couple of them and they've been good. Like really, really good. And they are like two bucks. And I I think it's been like three at a push for us. Because mm-hmm. we're feeding two grown adults and a toddler. Mm-hmm. But like a $3 dinner, a $3 dinner, 12 out of 10. You're so, going to have to show I, me because I'm like, how? Is this economy? <laughs> so like, for example, one of my favorite ones that I made of hers mm-hmm. was a, a sweet potato curry. Mm-hmm. It literally took one sweet potato, a can of beans, um... It was like one sweet potato, a can of beans, a cup of like non-dairy milk, 
and then mm-hmm. seasoning. Mm-hmm. And the, but and like it sounds so simple, but it was delicious. It was delicious. <laughs> it was so good. We chose to pair it with rice, but like mm-hmm. you could just have it on its own. I think she um, suggests it with bread, mm-hmm. but it was so good. So it's like she's just using really really simple ingredients, and I'm like, yeah, twelve out of ten, delicious. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah, and then we have our listener choice sent in, and this creator is called Madeline Handcrafted. Mm-hmm. Specifically, what we got sent was a pair of really, really cute earrings that are like fairy wings. I mean, that's the only way I can think mm-hmm. of describing it. But she does like a bunch of really cool stuff. There's like, like dark fairy wings and like mushroom earrings, and it's just like very like. If you're cottage into like, core. yeah, cottage core, very like medieval, very like fa- high fantasy. Mm-hmm. High fantasy. I really, yeah. really like it. It's so cool. I really just, like the iridescent like butterfly wing. Oh, me too. They're very. It's pretty. stuff like this that makes me wish that I had normal ear holes. <laughs> well, you should do what Mint Fairy does. She just puts it underneath her gauge. Um, yeah, but the problem is, is that I've got, like, sensory issues with that. I do oh. not care for it. Oh, okay. Lame. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a problem. <laughs> 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 but it's very, very cool. And, yeah, if you're into that stuff, I think Ren Fair is still happening some places. So get the mm-hmm. heck out there. Get some cool fairy wings. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We hope that we will see you again on Friday, September 29th for our Coffee Talk episode or on October 6th for our 19th episode of Season 4. You can keep an eye out on our social media or head to our website, coffeeandcauldrons.com, to find out more information and see what we are up to. And additionally, our Patreon Magical Beginnings offers our special 25-minute Part 2 episode, a huge library of articles about witchcraft, a Discord community full of fun events and discussions, and we even have a tier that offers one-on-one conversations with Robin and myself. Yeah. So please, if you love our sexy, sensual, just chef's kiss voices, take a moment to review us on whatever streaming service that you are tuning in from, such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We love reading your reviews and rating us with five stars helps us to be seen by others. Thank you to everybody who already has and everybody who will. And a special thank you to all of our Patreon members. So again, this is Coffee and Cauldrons. With Robin from Out of Tired Witch on Instagram. And I'm Rhea from at Maria the Arcane on Instagram. You ready? Yeah. One, One two, two, three. three.